Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to our 10th what episode of Femboldened. I just want to take a moment and thank you for coming alongside me during this journey. It's been so amazing. And when Femboldened was just a thought in my head, I never imagined what it would feel like to be on number 10, double digits. So amazing. I can't wait to celebrate triple digits with you. And that's not far off because we are on a roll. So listen, if you have been getting a whole bunch of benefit out of these episodes and this wisdom that's been within, it would mean so much to me if you went ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you shared with a friend or two or a handful who you feel could benefit from Fimboldened, from the from the medicine within these episodes and the stories passed down from our sisters, that would mean the world to me. I'm really excited to introduce you to Jess Maitri today. She is an amazing soul sister who I met, gosh, two years ago to this day that I'm recording this intro. We go a little deep and by a little, I mean a lot, because you know, we don't do any surface level stuff here on Fimboldened. And this episode does come with a trigger warning. We dive deep into things that we haven't really talked about on Fimboldened yet. We're taking a, a, a course, uh, alternative course, if you will, when it comes to making bold decisions. And Jess has made a ton. So trigger warning for this episode, we do mention child brides in this episode. So if that's something that you're not quite ready for, go ahead and skip this episode and look forward to next week's. I am always here to hold space for you. Reach out to me, Angelica at AngelicaPascone.com. Without further ado, let's meet Jess. Welcome to Femboldened a podcast where inspiration meets aligned action, where science meets spirit, and where you've landed to enliven the bold within you. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone, women's empowerment coach, specializing in helping heart-centered, high achievers like you shatter their personal and professional self-built glass ceilings. Get ready to awaken to your truest potential as we dive deep into the emboldened stories, wisdom, and medicine of our fellow sisters to energize you into living your bold. The question is, are you ready? Let's get started. Emboldened. Welcome, Finn Boldeners. I am so excited for today's episode with Jess Maitri. Jess is the creator of the Yothera Method, a therapeutic modality that transforms the lead of your mind into the gold which lies within your body. Jessica is a licensed clinical social worker, certified yoga therapist, breathwork practitioner, and intuitive and energy healer. She blends both Eastern and Western therapeutic approaches to embodied wellness. Her trainings in both Western psychology and Eastern embodiment practices inform her work with groups and individuals. Jessica uses Yothera method in both groups and individual work, inviting individuals deeply into the present moment and meet life from a grounded and embodied perspective. She is deeply passionate about being part of the integrative medical model. 
creating a bridge between traditional mental health and holistic health. Jessica's work invites participants to deepen their exploration of self, dive deep into their body's innate wisdom, and strengthen their trust in life and their own intuition. Welcome, Jess. I'm so excited to see you and to be in your presence again. It's been a little while. We were just chatting moments ago. How are you in this moment? How are you today? I'm feeling good today, feeling pretty grounded and just excited to be reconnecting with you. This is Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. For, for my listeners, Jess and I met, we were just talking almost two years to the day, honest, I think. And uh, we both attended a retreat in Sedona. That was my first retreat, but I think you had a few under your belt by that time. Mm -hmm. And what was really cool is that you had stayed in that exact house before. Yeah. I'm surprised you remember that. That's good memory. (laughs) And I think in fact, did you stay, you didn't stay in the same room, but you had a very, you had a, if you care to share, you had a really amazing experience that first time you stayed in that home, it was called the lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, And it was the first time you stayed in that house um, in that specific room. You had such a visceral memory of what you experienced there. Could you dive a little deeper? Cause it's so neat to hear about. I think, I mean, let me see if I can remember. I had so many epiphanies that during the trip that you and I had a couple of years ago, but one that's popping up was I remember giving like birth in energetically giving birth uh, in that space. I don't know if it was a past life that I maybe was tapping into or something, but I, yeah, I gave birth to this what now, interestingly enough, is the Yothera method. And um, but I didn't know that at the time. So three years ago, I was bringing forward what now here is like this baby of uh, not a real baby, but like a birth. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Could you, I, I always, I, I, it was when we first met, it was just the beginning of like my spiritual awakening and my understanding of I feel like there's a whole, just like the medical system, there's a whole language around spirituality and and what meanings of words and what, what would you, how would you define giving birth to a, an idea, uh, a movement, um, a method and what that looked like in, in those moments? Yeah. Um, probably the best way I could describe it for myself was it's not something that Jessica, me create, like created. It was more like something that came through me that I don't, yes, I created it. I kind of acted as the vessel, I guess, that this specific energy came through. Um, but I don't necessarily feel, I feel like it's its own entity. Like, like you have a child. I kind of feel like it's like that. It's like, it's my child, but I don't own it. It's, it's totally its own thing. And I ha- I've even had to kind of um, release trying to control what it wants to be, what it wants to be now. So I brought it into the world and now I'm kind of at this stage where it's learning to walk. <laughs> I have to kind of <laughs> support it enough to, so it doesn't fall on its face, but that I don't, that I don't get in the way of what it wants to be. So, yeah. Hmm. Thank you for that powerful reminder, business and motherhood wise. Right. I know we're mothers in so many ways. Absolutely. What, 
And and we mentioned this a little bit in your bio, but what exactly is the Yothera method? The Yothera method, it's a mo- so it's a therapeutic modality that again, like I was saying, it just Yes, it was a a weaving of all of my different kind of background and training in both Eastern and Western approaches, but it's for therapists and helpers and healers, like people in the helping and healing profession. Um, they It's a three-phase process of uh, transforming the mind through the, the body and then being seen. And it's a storytelling mm-hmm. uh, platform. So we take, we kind of disassemble the old story and then we rewrite it through the unconscious mind and the body. And um, so yeah, it offers CEUs for therapists, but it's also open to anybody that wants to learn how to bring that into their work. That's so beautiful and so needed, especially as, as healers, you know, not just therapists, but those in Western medicine, I, I always felt there was an, when you're healing somebody just like in Reiki or any sort of energetic healing, even when you're doing healing through Western medicine, there's still an energetic exchange that takes place. And it's so important to be an integrated, grounded healer and and have that self-awareness when treating someone so that that's not passed down. So this is, gosh, I'm so, you know, I never had asked you exactly what it was. I had an idea in my brain, Um, but I'm so glad I asked you. It's such a profound and gosh, like I said, hugely necessary. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. I always like to ask my, my guests on on the show, what's been alive for you recently? Alive for me. Oh my goodness. Everything. Um, (laughs) I know. I, so what's been alive for me has been how I show up in relationship, Mm. not just my my partner right now, but like in general, I I feel like I'm coming into a whole new way of being in relationship with other humans. Like I I think I'm moving, the best way I can describe it is it feels like I'm moving out of this a little bit more enmeshed or codependent way. Even if it was just subtle, I um, feel like I'm letting the final strings of that kind of go. And I'm moving more into a space of like equal sovereign relating with different, not only my partner, but everyone, which has been interesting. Mm, I can, I can resonate with that. That's something that I'm, I'm currently moving through too. Mm. And it's, I'm as the months go on being the observer of this meat suit that I'm walking in and this ego that I've adopted. Um, it, it, it's interesting to take note of how subtle that enmeshment and that codependency. I noticed it multiple times come up today, even though I didn't act on it, I questioned it. You know, I had, um, I forgot what the conversation was around, but I had asked my husband, do you think it would be okay if this happened? Oh, oh, this is what it was. Um, his cousin has her bridal shower coming up this weekend and she just recently lost her grandmother and uh, they had the, the services this weekend. And I was about to text her and her mother to ask if Ezzy could come to the bridal shower because, I mean, I don't go anywhere without him. But I wanted to, to ask first. And uh-huh. I was about to text and, and I said, oh, maybe I should wait a couple of days because the services happen this weekend. And mm-hmm. Christopher was like, 
no, you don't need to. <laughs> so I just noticed that come up like that needing to, um, I don't want to call it walking on eggshells because that's way too harsh, but that uh, assuming other p- other individuals' emotional status at any given time and taking responsibility for that. Right. They, they're too sensitive. They can't handle it. Or yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So totally resonate with that. And it's, it's an interesting de-evolution once you, I don't think there really needs, it doesn't need to necessarily be that hard to, mm-hmm. to unlearn this pattern. It is, I think it's simply, and you tell me what you think. It doesn't have to be hard. It could be, um, but it doesn't have to be. And, and there's, there's this, uh, gosh, like, again, just like any other unlearning, there's this layer by layer by layer, and it becomes easier and easier. And you're more easily able to pinpoint it. And then you're like, Whoa, I used to do this 24 seven. No wonder why I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yep. <laughs> there's so many layers to this. Oh yeah. Yep. It's deep. So I'm with you there. Oh, <laughs> uh, so We've talked a lot on this podcast about taking bold leaps. And thus far, a lot of those bold leaps have been surrounding leaving a career that that's no longer serving, leaving a nine to five, starting a business, um, even starting an app, right? It's gone as far, far as that. But what we haven't really talked about is taking bold decisions when it comes to relationships. So I'm so glad you brought that up. And I know you have many experiences. I don't know if leaving is, is a a word that you resonate with or align with, um, but you have left many relationships. Would you, would you like to share what those looked like and what happened? Well, I wouldn't say what happened. That also sounds like it's (laughs) what happened, but yeah, what that looked like for you. Yeah, I think leaving is an appropriate word for some of them, for sure. Some other of the, some, yeah. Well, so it's been, it's been a little bit of a blessing and a, I would say a cross to bear a little bit with my, um, my makeup is, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, I'm sure you are with human design and things like that, where it's my cross to bear is like reincarnation. So in other words, I change really rapidly and it's something that has created um, some level of temporary relationships in my life because I tend, and I don't even like to use the word outgrow. That doesn't, Mm. I I tend to just move a little bit faster than some people as far as um, what I'm doing here. So, um, yeah, I mean, when I was 25, I did leave the Mormon church. Um, and that was something I was raised in and born and raised LDS. Um, so that was kind of the beginning for me of really, I would say leaving, uh, relationships of all kinds that weren't serving me because with that, with leaving the church also meant my, I was married at the time. I got married at the age of 19, um, in an arranged marriage in the Mormon temple. And so when I left the church, that, that marriage also dissolved naturally, um, because he was still Mormon. So that was the beginning. And then I don't know what happened. If that was like the start of this kind of new path for me, but it seemed like after that, it was 
maybe I gained some sense of um, uh, boldness or this like, oh, I can do this now. And so anything that really didn't resonate was a little bit easier each time to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had spoke um, on the first, uh, thank you for sharing on, on the first episode, how I think as humans, we tend to add value or weight to decisions or, or bold leaps, right? Like, okay, that was a huge, bold leap. But then I, I seem to think, well, as he, that's our human assigning weight to uh-huh. and significance to what bold and what leaps really mean. What if they were all the same and they had the same value, right? The same, same amount of weight, the same significance. And, and it's so true. Once you make one, it it's doesn't get less scary, but it feels less visceral. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. I go, I've been here before. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I know I can survive this. <laughs> yes. Yep. 100%. So what did, what did it look like growing up in the Mormon church? When did you start to notice you weren't aligned within that structure, that framework? And how long did you stay in that discomfort? Mm. You know, I think I was, I think I started not feeling aligned when I was a teenager. Um, But it wasn't, I wasn't in a place to be able to really do anything about it at that time. And I, I think that there was a lot of cognitive, I know there was a lot of cognitive dissonance that started to occur for me, which was basically, you probably know what this is, but like feeling like my reality wasn't matching the reality of what I was kind of stuck in at the time. And so you kind of start to ignore and get in denial about a lot of things. And so as a teenager, what ended up happening is that instead of me being able to do something about my misalignment, I just ended up doing the opposite, which was perfectionism, trying to be perfect at it, trying to be perfect at pretty much everything. Um, and it kind of turned in on itself in that way. It kind of sounds funny, but it was almost like, well, if I can't have freedom, if I can't really express who I am, then I might as well just be perfect at it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but that's what I did. And then um, I think over time that just chipped away at my sense of self to the point where at 25, I, what was happening for me? Oh, I remember it was, I had just graduated with, from my master's program at Boise state and in social work. And um, just going through that program kind of forced a little bit of an eye-opening for me because it's social work and it wasn't at BYU, which is my undergrad was at BYU. And anyway, so long story short, um, that was kind of a catalyst for me in, in waking up. And, um, and then I just finally just owned it after I graduated. I just told my husband and that kind of started the domino effect of just everything collapsing. Wow. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. I I recently heard that perfection, perfectionism is um, a disguise for shame. hundred percent. Yep. It's almost like making up, making up for the the fact to cover it up. That resonates. 
Oof. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. Those, I guess, what was, what was that moment where you, cause obviously there's, there, it's whenever there's a big decision, there's a, it tends to be a collection of moments, not just one. Aha, this is it. But what was the, what was the line in the sand moment for you or moments? That's so funny you asked that because, um, because of the topic of relationships. So the, my line in the sand was when I found out I was doing all this like behind the scenes kind of research on my own. And I found out that Joseph Smith, who's like the founder of the Mormon church that he, um, engaged in, um, not just polygamy, but polyamory or not polyamory. Um, there's another P word that I can't remember. Basically it was, um, being in relationship with like 14 year old girls. Um, Mm. I should have had a little trigger warning, but anyway, that there was some information that came up around, um, around that. And then also polyamory, which is having more than one wife. And that, that, that was something that they taught us in that they, that they, they were open about when I was growing up in the church, but they were always telling us that it was like God at some point said that it wasn't okay. And so we don't practice that anymore. Mm. But what I, what I learned was that Joseph Smith actually was um, participating in that. And that after we died, that supposedly as women, that we were going to share our husbands with other women. And I remember my, my line in the sand was asking my mom how she felt about that. And she just started crying and said, I guess I just have to accept it. I know. And I, and that was my moment of like, if I don't leave for me, I'm leaving for her. Like, it was just like, I'm, I'm leaving now. It's not just for myself. Now it's also for my mother and for whatever, whatever that might do karmically. If, if there's anything to like, if I can clear anything there, I want to, I want to do it. So that was my line in the sand. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Do you feel that? I, actually, I, I, I feel like I know this answer, but I'm going to ask anyways, just for clarity's sake, you had mentioned that you made this decision, yes, for yourself, but also for your mother. Do you feel that by making, by, by leaving the church, you also healed generations of, of your female ancestors of the, your, your mother line. I do. I just got goosebumps everywhere (laughs) when you ask that question. Yeah. And I actually feel them here. It feels very intense. Actually. When you said that, I'm like, Oh, hi. Yeah. Just the whole, the whole line. Yeah. And and I'm not saying it, oh, it's all me. I cleared the whole line. I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I, but I do know there was some huge threads that I came here to clear for some people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So not only did you have to leave your church, but you had to leave your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. Oh, he could have okay. he, he left with me, but he didn't want to. He was He was literally remarried to another Mormon woman within like three months of our divorce. So he was on, he was on a mission. He wanted to have the babies and do the thing. Mm. How long were you married for? Um, five and a half years. So that's, that's significant. Yeah. Arranged or not. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. And he, you know, I loved him to the best of my ability at that time. And same, I feel he loved me to the best of his ability. 
Yeah, I believe that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what does, I'm, I've got a couple different ways. A lot, I've got lots of questions. <laughs> um, okay. So let's see, which way do I want to go first? When, because I'm, I'm not knowledgeable in, in this, this realm. Or do you still have a relationship with your family after leaving the Mormon church? Um, I do now. Um, for the first couple of years, I didn't because um, my parents, my parents were on a mission at the time and they weren't around and they, they didn't want to talk to me. Basically. I just, I told them that I left the church and they didn't talk to me for a couple of years. Um, but then slowly we've been rebuilding a relationship. Um, so my older sister, Stacy, she is also LDS. She didn't talk to me for a little bit as well, but we're, we're back to having a relationship now. And I'm really grateful for that. Mm. what were those years like what what sorts of thoughts were coming up emotions in between leaving the church and reconnecting with your family well when I first left I lost I lost literally lost everyone like all my friends were Mormon because that's how you, that's how you do it. All your friends are Mormon. Everyone that you're connected with, that's kind of your, it's your everything. It's your world. And so when I left, I ended up leaving my friends as well, but there was a big space that got created for me to um, make new friends. And I actually, during that couple of years between leaving the church and reconnecting to my blood family, I was able to really tap into um, this network of their basically ex-Mormons here in Boise. And um, they were kind of this underground like group of people, like couples and, and, and individuals, like just people, adults my age that had left and they became my family for, for a while. And they introduced me to new, new people, um, new relationships. It really was like, exactly what I needed to, um, start my, basically a new life. So that was great. Um, and so during that time I did a lot of, not going to lie, I did a lot of partying (laughs) because that, that suppression, you know, that you go through your whole life and you don't do what most people do in their teens and early twenties. Um, I did a lot of that during that time. So Got it out of your system. Got it out. And <laughs> I do feel like I do feel like at this point it is out of my system. So that's good. At least I'm not in my 40s doing this, but <laughs> some people are. And you know, I say that with love. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree there. All right. So okay, that was one direction I wanted to go because I think, you know, in in some ways, perhaps not as extreme as your experience. But on many and in, in many levels, we we each have these moments with our our families where we don't feel like we fit in. Mm-hmm. We're not aligning with the beliefs that we were raised in. Um, I'm noticing this myself when it comes to wealth consciousness in my family. Whenever my parents come to visit and I'm watching them, I'm like, oh wow, okay, that runs deep, you know. And and I have that awareness now, but there's. I think many of us can resonate with the idea that 
those moments where we realize our parents are people too, you know, um, and it, it can take, it can feel like a bold leap to say, no, actually, mom, I'm not going to do what you did. I love you. I'm not saying it was a bad decision for you. It's just not a good decision for me. Um, so I, I, I love that, loved that we had this opportunity to, to talk about that because we haven't really discussed shifting away from family systems. Mm -hmm. Totally. Before. Yeah. Now I'm also curious to know what, I guess, what, what it looked like leaving your marriage too. And and those discussions that came up. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, What I remember about those discussions, two things kind of stand out. Um, One of them was my internal struggle with having biological children. And so I've always felt like a mother, but I haven't ever felt called to birth a child. And there's no reason for that. I'm not like, you know, anti-children or anything like that. I just, you know, I remember having this discussion with him that I would prefer to adopt if we ever did, um, you know, want to have kids. And, And in the Mormon church, you're very much meant to like procreate. Like that's part of the doctrine is like, you need to procreate in this natural way and not just one, but many, many, many children. Um, and I just never resonated with that. And so that was one of the big conversations that started, you know, me kind of coming out, if you will, of like this, I just don't fit the mold. I'm not going to fulfill this role, um, for you or in this partnership. Um, and then another one was, uh, I remember talking with asking him to read a book called, um, oh, what's it called? It's called No Man Knows My History. And it's a it's a, a biography about Joseph Smith that kind of like um, shows a lot of stuff that they don't teach you. And I asked if he would read it and he said, no, like, I'm not going to read it. I don't want to hear anything about what you're looking at or learning or anything. And um, that was just kind of, he just wasn't in that space. So those are the two big conversations I remember having where it was pretty clear where, where things were headed now. Yeah. Okay. Mm, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. I think again, a lot of individuals can resonate even with that outside of leaving a church. Mm-hmm. Right. Having be, you know, I know for, for myself, uh, I don't know if I've shared this with the listeners even, but I did not want children. Mm. Nope. And it it wasn't children suck and they're draining. It wasn't any of those thoughts. It was just, I don't really want to like, all right, maybe, maybe adoption, like maybe, maybe. Mm. Um, And then what happened was, and, and I was so, I guess the point of my story is before I get to the to the, the woo woo stuff. Um, I remember kind of, I don't want to say leading Chris on as we were dating, but I always skirted around children. Cause I didn't want him to leave me. I was so afraid that that was going to be, you know, the, the be all end all. And I remember we got engaged and then I just had to say it. I was like, 
I don't know if I want children. Do you still want to marry me? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I came up with all the lists of why I didn't. And he gave me all the reasons why that was stupid, (laughs) you know, like all those things. But, but um, I, I'm very fortunate in that we have this ability to, I think what started then, but see our, our troubles outside of ourselves rather than internalize them and making, you know, pointing and blaming and, and, and that, and it's so tempting to do that. And it, we, we fall into those patterns still, but we come back and realize it, these are problems outside of us. Mm-hmm. So anyways, moving forward, he got married. We, he got married. We got married. <laughs> <laughs> we got married. Um, despite this thing that we knew we were still going to have to not address, but, um, play around with. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I, I just want to, to, sh- I wanted to share that simply for the fact that there are bigger conversations that often we, we skirt around in, in our most intimate relationships because of fear of being truly seen and accepted and continued to be loved. Right. There's this, <sighs> belief that we, we obtain somewhere along the lines mm-hmm. that our, our love is conditional upon us being good or perfect or behaving a certain way. And I think that's far more common than every, anybody believes, so um, but to get to the point, um, <laughs> so what ended up happening was Thanksgiving, 2019, I woke up, I was at my parents and I woke up and I heard baby 2020, baby 2020, baby 2020. And I had this urgency, like it's got to happen. There's something, there's somebody that needs to come through. Like, so I waited a month before I told my husband, because I wanted to make sure, is this really what's going on? Right. And I I told him in December and he's like, what are we going to listen to voices and all those things? And he's totally right. You know? Um, And as he was born, Sunrise, Thanksgiving Day. No way. Oh, beautiful. So, yes, he they, again. I just, I what I had. There was something that wanted to be birthed through me. Yeah. But anyways, okay, I got a little tangent there, but but yeah, That's awesome. These conversations can happen, and they don't. Life doesn't crumble. It just shifts. Either greatly or smallly, smallly, <laughs> yep. smallish, whatever. Uh, amazing. So, so for for those in similar scenarios, whether they be the exact same experiences or slightly different, mm-hmm. what wisdom? would you like to pass down to those individuals? If you could wave a magic wand, (laughs) what would that look like? I just keep hearing the words, the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. Um, That was something that it's almost like we can either choose um, to own our truth and set ourselves free or the truth always comes out and you will be set free. It might not be in the way that feels the best. (laughs) So I I guess I would encourage people that might be listening that are resonating um, 
with maybe hiding a part of themselves or not fully being authentic to free themselves before life finds a way to free you because it always does. Um, and then sometimes that doesn't necessarily go as well as if we were just to do it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to believe that the universe tends to kick you out if you're not taking the hint. (laughs) I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Mm, So while you were speaking, I I was shown to ask you this and I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, (laughs) How would you describe it in your body? What it felt like to be in, I got a tickle in my throat and to be in back in, I guess, in a, in a society, I'm just going to phrase it as that in a society and there, and also in a marriage that didn't serve you versus what it felt like in your body when you set yourself free. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Let me feel into that. Yeah. Ah. right as I'm feeling into that the two areas of that's funny that your throat started activating because I felt that too a little bit um my solar plexus like there's something around my power when I was in a community um or system that didn't serve me I felt very contracted in my power just like this knot in my stomach uh constantly it was like this constant like you're going to get found out kind of a feeling. It was Mm. just really you constantly in my gut. And when I feel like remembering what it felt like to come out, it felt like this bursting of my heart and my throat, just this opening of um, being seen and rewilding, like letting my child run, inner child run free. So that's the best way I could describe it. That knot in my stomach isn't there anymore. It took a couple of years, but that's healed. Um, Mm -hmm. That feels so freeing. So, yeah. We hear a lot how dwindling down and shrinking ourselves down and living a life that really isn't authentic or true to ourselves tends to bring about physical Besides physical, I don't want to say ailments because it's not always mm-hmm. an ailment. Were you experiencing anything like that? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I was having like stomach ulcers. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like in my when I was married, um, yeah, it, it, I was constantly like waking up in the middle of the night and like having these dry heaves. I was just always anxious super, super anxious all the time. And not to say I'm not anxious sometimes, but I feel much more grounded. Um, And for those who don't know this yet, your solar plexus is right over your stomach. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, okay. Curious. I was just curious. Awesome. (laughs) Shifting gears a little bit. We're all a culmination of our experiences. How would you describe your unique magic in this lifetime? Ooh, that's a wonderful question. I think my unique magic is helping people through transition. 
actually, because I've done it so many times. And uh, I say that like with a little bit of exhaustion. So I, 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 I'm right now I'm playing with this, like, is this, how much of this can be a gift that I share and how much of it is like optional? Like I don't always have to be constantly changing. Like I can take a break from the evolution sometimes, but I think my gift is helping people in huge transitions. Like right now it's helping therapists or healers transition into different ways of working. Um, some of my other clients are transitioning out of marriages and a lot out of religion and um, in more to a spirituality space. So I think that's my gift. Yeah. Mm, I really love that. And it's something that's come up for me too. I've been hearing you don't have to share everything. Yeah. I feel like there's, I have this inherent need and and for me, it's more like social media share, like sharing every breakthrough. Uh I have like 10 breakthroughs a day. So (laughs) (laughs) kind of gets exhausting. You don't always have to be growing, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to share everything. Um, so I, I, I align with, with what you're sharing too, because there's, there's some things that can just be sacred for yourself too. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make you any more or less of a healer. Isn't that true? Oh my God. Again, there's, there's a human assigning weight, right. And, and making up rules that, that don't, that don't feel good. And they're so oppressive to us. Like we set these bars so high that nobody could achieve. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think there's also, uh, you know, digging deeper into that. We set, set high bars for ourselves. Yes. But then we, 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 we fall in love with the highness of it. That's taking it hard. Right. And I, mean, I think that's where some of the manifestation comes in. But once we say, for instance, I'm going to, you know, leave my job and become a famous actor. Right. Okay. You could do that. But then all of a sudden there's these rules that come in because it does feel so far-fetched for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're building our own rules where they don't need to exist. Right. I'm I'm seeing that now I'm having fun making my own rules that feel better. I love that. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Like my favorite one recently is I decided that my money tree is a direct representative of my bank account. Ooh, cool. That's the rule. So if my money tree is thriving, I got money coming in. That's cool. Yeah. It's it's proven to be successful. Okay, cool. So yes, your magic is just beautiful. It's wonderful to be in your energy. How do you see, what's your vision for the world? For the world? Oh my God. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, what I, what's coming to my, it's pretty broad, but I think my, my hope is that we get past separation at some point and that we can truly see ourselves and everyone and, um, past the duality consciousness, um, past separation. And yeah. Do you, do you feel like we're getting close to that? 
I do because of the huge amount of bloom of the shadows around them. <laughs> like to me, I feel like the shadow is what precedes kind of like in homeopathy, right? It's like mm-hmm. the disease always comes up be- right before the healing. And it, I kind of feel like that's a lot of what we're seeing right now is so much of this right, wrong, good, bad, they, us type mentality. And I hope that that means that we're actually moving closer to the unity. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That feels right to me. And, and I, I like to phrase that, um, how I've been saying it, which is the exact same way, but with different words is that there's this, uh, you know, it's almost like before you build a new kitchen, you have to have a huge demo day. And that's what we're experiencing now. The, the shit needs to come to the surface in order to be one seen mm-hmm. right. and then two shifted, transformed, alchemized, whatever word feels right for you, but it needs to shift up. The shit needs to shift. Yeah. <laughs> in order to be <laughs> cleared yeah. up. Oh yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's easy to fall into the, as you're watching the news and, or even when you hop on Facebook, because the news is on Facebook too, it's so easy to feel disheartened um, by seeing what's, what feels to be, and and it's true. A lot of hateful, evil, low vibrational, negative Mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. It's all coming up to be seen. Absolutely. I also share that vision. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, with different words, but I also share that vision. And I think there's a lot of us who do. And and for many of us, it feels like a too big of a task for one person to handle. And for for me, I know that it all comes back to living my again, my truth in each moment of every day. And that that is what's going to raise the consciousness of, of the collective and move, move the needle even further. What's really helpful is having, and you alluded to this earlier, having a community mm-hmm. in which you feel expanded when you're with them, where you feel like, okay, you can do it. I can do it too. Right. So with that being said, what kind of, we, we talked about Yothera a little bit here. Mm-hmm. What kind of things do you have going on where people could plug into if they're like this Jess girl, man, mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta be in her energy. What does she have to offer and how can I be involved? Oh yeah. Um, I think the first thing I encourage people to do, I have, um, a free workshop that I I just give away. If you go on my, um, uh, if you go on Instagram, it's under my links. It's it's called uh, three weeks to your new story. It's a three week uh, workshop that's just delivered Mm -hmm. to your inbox. And so they can get a taste of Yothera that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also offer insight sessions, which is um, my version, I guess, of energy or Akashic records type readings. Um, And then I also do therapeutic mentorships because I'm still working as a therapist, but just under different energy. (laughs) So um, I also do that as well. And then I also offer a 10 week group every about four times a year. The next one will be 
this fall. Um, it's a Yothera method group. It's called the 10 week embodied alchemy group. So you can kind of watch out for that. Mm, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And where can people find you if they want to follow your whereabouts and what you're doing and how you're evolving day by day? Um, I would say Instagram or Facebook right now. Instagram is uh, Yothera method, Yothera underscore method. And then uh, Facebook, you can just find me at Jess Maitri, J-E-S-S, Maitri, M-A-I-T-R-I. Um, you can also sign up for my newsletter as well. I send those out every couple of weeks and um, that's just on my website, yothera.com. This has been... I say every episode is my favorite, but this has been my favorite episode. (laughs) I I loved connecting with you once again, but also on a very deeper level. I thank you for taking me on your journey, even though it was a much shorter version of the journey you experienced (laughs) in real time and and taking this time to, to share your lessons, your growth with with those of the world, I know it's bound to impact many, if not now, years in the future. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Emboldened.